And now, Gary Leland, the Bitcoin Boomer. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Welcome to the Bitcoin Boomer Show. I'm your host, Gary Leland, and we are going to have a great show for you today. We're moving along with our series, 12 series shows here in the first season. We're moving along, having a great time learning about Bitcoin. That's all I want you to do is learn about Bitcoin. I don't have any Bitcoin to sell you. So this isn't an infomercial. This isn't some thing where I'm going to sell you some scam. I'm just trying to educate you on what Bitcoin is. So if you want to learn about Bitcoin, know a little bit of information, maybe even that just might be good for conversations at the water cooler. This could be the show for you. As I said, we're just going to learn about Bitcoin. But in today's show, we have a guest, a friend of mine from New Jersey, Jim the Surfer. And Jim the Surfer, we're going to have a conversation with him in Loa. He's another boomer, first boomer I've had on the show, actually. We're going to talk about what Bitcoin is. We're going to talk about why money's broken. We're going to talk about mining, what mining is. We're going to talk about a lot of things in Bitcoin. The mining part, I think, is going to be an interesting conversation. Because a lot of people, I think, have a hard time understanding how you can mine money that's on the Internet, or as my wife calls it, magical Internet money. But we're going to get into all those conversations and more here on the Bitcoin for Boomer show. We're also going to talk about, uh, answer a few questions from the audience. I want to let you know right now, if you have any questions for us, please send them to GaryLeland at gmail.com. That's GaryLeland at gmail.com, and we'll try to answer your questions on the show, if not this show, on a future show. But do send us your questions. And also, please, tell your friends about this show. Get them on there. Call them now. Tell them to get on the show and watch this because they need to learn about Bitcoin. I can't stress that enough. I stress that over and over and over. But that's what we're doing here is we're talking about Bitcoin, educating about Bitcoin, trying to get you ready for this tidal wave that's coming, as I say every week, called Bitcoin. I also want to make sure you know about a, a little conference I do called the Bitcoin BitBlock Boom Conference. It's in August in Dallas, Texas. You can find more information about the conference at bitblockboom.com. And it's a Bitcoin conference because all we talk about is Bitcoin. And yes, it is a real-life conference. It's not a virtual conference. And it is happening this August, August 28th and 29th. So please check out bitblockboom.com. I think you'll find that real interesting as well as you'll find this show interesting. When we come back, we'll have Jim the Surfer with us. And uh, we look forward to talking to you then. I'm Gary Leland. This is the Bitcoin for Boomers show. Talk to you in just a minute. Welcome back to the Bitcoin for Boomers show. As I said earlier, I'm your host, Gary Leland, here at the Biz TV studios in beautiful Dallas, Fort Worth. Hope you're having a great day. I am. Bitcoin is. I know our guest is. Travis, our producer, are you having a great day back there? Having a good day. We're having a lot of fun so far. A lot of fun so far. And we're going to have a good show for you guys. We're going to have a good show for you. Travis, we got any uh, emails? I know we do. We have an email from somebody every week. So let's get into the email questions right away. And before we start, let me say, before we have the question, if you do have any questions you want us to answer, please send them to GaryLeland at gmail.com, and I'd be glad to answer your questions on the air. Just questions about Bitcoin, please. I don't care about anything but Bitcoin. That's why I'm called 
the Bitcoin boomer. So Travis, what is our question today? All right, well, we have from Diaz in LA. We ha uh, wanted to know, since a Bitcoin costs almost $10,000, should I forget about buying Bitcoin? I cannot afford to pay that much. Yeah, I can understand that completely, Diaz. That's a lot of money to play for, pay for a Bitcoin. Uh, I don't think you're alone that you can't afford to pay $10,000 for a Bitcoin. Especially hard to think of paying $10,000 for Bitcoin when they used to be a nickel like 11 years ago. But the thing about Bitcoin is it's made to be broken up into pieces. The smallest pieces are called sats. Um, and there are over 100 million sats in a Bitcoin. So think of a Bitcoin as like a $100 bill. You might not be able to go get a $100 bill, but you can get a 50, or you can get a 10, or you can get a 20, or you can get a 1, or you can get a 5, or you can get 50 cents, a nickel, a dime, a quarter, a penny. Okay, so you can buy a dollar's worth of Bitcoin, you can buy $50 worth of Bitcoin, you can buy $100 worth of Bitcoin, you can buy $1,000 worth of Bitcoin, $10,000 worth of Bitcoin. You can buy any amount of Bitcoin you want. So just because you don't have $10,000 does not mean you shouldn't buy any Bitcoin. Matter of fact, a lot of people buy $10 or $20 worth of Bitcoin every week and build it up like a savings account until they finally get a Bitcoin. Maybe a Bitcoin's their goal, but maybe it's going to take them four or five years to get a Bitcoin. So I hope I answered your question on why you should, whether you should not or you should get a Bitcoin since they cost $10,000. Thank you for your question. Uh, before we go, though, Travis, did I explain that good enough? Did you understand the, the Bitcoin breaking Yes, into. I think so. I definitely have just put a little bit of money every month, you know, like you told me, $50, $100, just start buying it. And you have some Bitcoin now. <laughs> there you go. Well, thanks for your question. And remember, if you have a question for me, just email it to me at GaryLeland at gmail.com, and we'll try to get your question on the show. Now let's bring on our guest, a friend of mine, a good guy, Surfer Jim. Surfer Jim, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing, Gary? Thanks for having me on. Excellent. I love that hat there, dude. Uh, this is the best conference in the United States right here, the Bit Block Boom Conference in Dallas, Texas in August, and I can't wait to go. Yeah, that's next month. That's next month. That's going to be a good conference. I can't wait to see you there. You know, um, I guess we, we met at Bit Block Boom originally. We did. Last and year, then yeah. we've seen each other again at other conferences since. And I wanted to bring you on the show and talk about Bitcoin because um, you're a boomer like myself. You're the first boomer yeah. I've had on the show. <laughs> well, that's appropriate then, isn't it? Bitcoin for boomers. We're both boomers. Yeah, yeah. Jim and I, Jim's a surfer and I used to be a surfer. So we have a lot of things in common there, except Jim still surfs and I live in the middle of, the, of America, so there's no waves here. So I quit surfing. We're gonna build you a wave pool. Yeah, I, 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 there's just no waves. Matter of fact, I think I lived here two years before I finally sold my surfboard. Realized I wasn't gonna need it. But Jim, I want to get into Bitcoin. I want to get into Bitcoin and boomers. Tell me, what in your mind and your way of saying it, what is Bitcoin? Uh, Bitcoin is the newest form of money on the planet. That's what I would say. And uh, I care about it because money is broken, as far as I can tell. Um, money used to be something that was not controlled by one group of people, but was agreed to by all of society. And uh, that changed, and governments took control of money. 
and now it's corrupted. It's, it, it doesn't work the way it's meant to work as a price signal for, uh, for exchange between different people, different goods over uh, periods of time. So uh, Bitcoin was invented to fix the broken money, in my opinion, and I think it works pretty well to do that. And it's in uh, you know first 11 years of its uh, worldwide adoption. I think over time it could be the world's money. Well, when you say money is broken, can you give me an example of that? Uh, so money is a tool uh, to communicate value between different people. And um, if you look at the history of money, you go way back, you realize that people would want to exchange things of value with each other. And so barter began. And it's very hard to uh, keep track of the value of every good versus every other good. And people realized they could use an intermediary good, and they came up with different things to use for that intermediary good. And you look back in history, things like seashells were used as money, um, feathers were used as money. And eventually people realized that the best money was the, the most scarce money, uh, the one that was the hardest to produce, uh, the one that lasted the longest, uh, that could be recognized by people, that you could split it up easily. All these are traits of, of what makes a good money. And, the world converged on gold at one point as the best money. Uh, but what ultimately happened was gold became dangerous to hold on to. It became cumbersome, cumbersome to, uh, to deal with, uh, especially large amounts of it because it was heavy. So banks were created and paper notes were used in place of the gold. And that's where the money broke. Because once you could um, use something to represent the actual money, so, so paper notes and, and coins are currency, they're not actual money. Gold was always money. It's still considered money by central banks the world over. That's why they hold the most of it. Uh, but unfortunately, gold is probably not going to be money again for the people because people are not going to carry around gold, use gold in trade like they used to a couple centuries ago uh, because it's not practical. So Bitcoin fulfills the, the use of gold uh, in the digital world uh, and has all the same properties of gold, including some additional properties. And those properties are... Uh, divisibility, recognizability, um, unconfiscatability, that's a new one. It's got portability like gold never had because it's got electronic transportability over the internet. Um, so these different features of money are found in Bitcoin uh, as, as a digital form of gold. We talk about it as digital gold. And once you study it, you understand how it's secured, how it's being adopted across the world, how people are using it to store value and to use it as a medium of exchange. You can see how it's becoming a money. And uh, the world would be better off with a money that no central group of any kind controls. And all of the monies in the world now that, that we refer to as fiat currencies are all controlled by governments. And they can uh, manipulate the supply of the money. They can manipulate the value of the money through the interest rates. And uh, we've just seen that in this country where they've just injected billions and trillions of dollars and poof out of thin air, it just shows up. And, that has a negative effect on the rest of the money. It, it devalues the money that's already in circulation, something we refer to as the Cantillion effect, whereby the people closest to the money as it's being printed benefit and the people furthest away, which tend to be the poorest people in society, they lose out. Uh, even though they might get some free money now, the value of their money just is getting less and less. So, you know, inflation is what uh, takes away the value of money and uh, it's because governments control it. So the money's broken because People have co-opted what used to be real good money, gold, and turned it into paper fiat currency that they can just do whatever they want with. And they, they back it with violence. Uh, you know, if you don't comply, they're going to come and arrest you or, or do whatever they got to do. 
but Bitcoin gets around all that because nobody individually controls it. It's an agreed upon protocol the world over that, uh, that allows people to transfer value in a secure way uh, with nobody telling them they can or can't do it. Nobody uh, specifically, individually, no, no business, no corporation, no government runs this system. It's, a, it's sort of like the internet protocol where everybody basically agrees on it. Nobody can just go and change it. Uh, because nobody's just going to go ahead with the change. You know, everybody has to agree. So Bitcoin has grown to that already, and I think it's just going to keep growing more and more. So I hope I didn't. that wasn't too long-winded of an answer. It was a good answer, Jim. It is exactly what I wanted to hear. But now we're going to have to go to a break because you took all our time, dude. Oh, <laughs> I'm just sorry. joking with you. We're going to go to a break. We'll be right, after, right back after this word from our sponsor. This is Gary Leland, joined by Surfer Jim with the Bitcoin for Boomers show. I hope you come back and stick with us. And welcome back to the Bitcoin for Boomers show. I'm Gary Leland. As I say always, we're talking Bitcoin. That's what we're interested in on this show. And I want you to make sure and share this show with your friends. If you're a first time viewer, Sit back and enjoy the show, but when it's over, share it with your friends. If you've come in back and you've been watching us for a while, share it with your friends. We need to get the word out there. Everybody needs to be educated on Bitcoin. I don't care if you're buying Bitcoin today or not. I, got, I don't have any Bitcoin to sell you. I'm not selling anything. I just think everybody needs to understand this new technology that's coming out so they can be prepared when Bitcoin just takes over the world. Now, today we're joined by Surfer Jim. Jim, welcome back to the show. Now, a minute ago, you were telling right. us what you thought Bitcoin was and what Bitcoin is, and you covered something that was pretty interesting, I thought. You said one of the things about Bitcoin was the fact that there were 21 million and that there was a finite supply and it was a digital money because people wouldn't, be able to, wouldn't go back to gold as fiat failed. As, you, as regular currency failed, people weren't going to go back to carrying pocket loads of gold. Uh, you know, that's not even usable on the Internet today, which is the world that we live in. And that's one of the reasons Bitcoin is so good. And it's a finite supply of 21 million. But we also have other coins, other cryptocurrencies, other digital monies that are being created right now. As you know, there are over 2,000 cryptocurrencies. Plus, China's making the digital yuan. It's just a matter of time before the United States comes out with a Fed coin or something to replace a dollar, a digital dollar. So not counting just cryptocurrencies which could be scam money we have governments making digital currencies okay so we have a lot of digital monies all of a sudden being created that are kind of competing against bitcoin you know there's bitcoin and then there's all this other stuff in my book it's not like there's all this stuff there's bitcoin then there's all this other stuff now what i want to talk about right now is not the other cryptocurrencies but the digital wand that's coming out and the digital Fed coin that I feel will come out because they're not just going to let China have the only digital coin. They're going to go, oh, my gosh, we need to get on the bandwagon. They're probably already designing this. How, how will we look at these coins compared to Bitcoin? And what is that? How does that hurt or help Bitcoin? Uh, you know, they just had a thing a uh, day or two ago where they announced that banks are going to be allowed to custody digital assets, I think is like the phrasing they used. 
And we in this community understand that there are a lot of these copycat digital currencies out there now, thousands of them. And um, the ecosystem has grown enough, enough people from all walks of life and all levels of government have heard about this now. And so everybody, it's kind of like, let's get on the, the digital currency bandwagon kind of thing. And uh, most people seem to think, I, it still boggles my mind, that somehow they're all equivalent. And as you very eloquently said before, there's Bitcoin and there's everything else. Bitcoin is a unique type of money. And it's, uh, it's never going to be reproduced as far as I can tell. And all these other digital monies are all, uh, you know, let's cut right to the chase. They're centralized. That's the problem. They're controllable by a small group of people. And if you trust in that system and they don't like what you said or what protest you went to or some other stupid thing, they can just shut your money off. And they can do it right now. I mean, people get their money shut off all the time in the current fiat banking system. For them to switch over to a digital system that they control is for them to uh, accept blockchain, you know, this thing that, you know, this generic term that everybody wants to think is such a great new invention. Meanwhile, blockchain, the, the invention of a blockchain only works for money and it only works once in Bitcoin. It can't be replicated. It can't be made twice. Digital scarcity was invented once in Bitcoin and a blockchain is used to do it. Every other copycat blockchain is controlled by a small group of people. The, the federal government, no government needs a blockchain to run a digital currency at all. They can use the current databases they have to run their digital money now. They can provide everybody with a direct bank account so they don't have to go through banks and you could have a bank account with the Fed. But it's not going to help you in any way get past the problems that exist in the monetary system already. Uh, Bitcoin solves those problems. It's uniquely different. These Fed coins, these digital yuans, it's just that some other version of them controlling the money. And it's not going to help fix society or fix any of the problems that the broken money creates. Uh, but Bitcoin can. And uh, and so it's it's just not the same. Uh, so I, so because it's the digital one or the Fed coin or, or whatever we want to call it, whichever one we're talking about, which are pretty much all the same as far as I'm concerned, when you have, and as an example, what we have going on in the United States right now, and they're printing trillions of dollars, well, they still can do the same thing because they aren't really printing trillions exactly. of dollars. They're just adding more digits in a database. So this That's doesn't... It affect that at all where bitcoin it doesn't matter what's going on there's going to be 21 million of them no matter what happens there's going to be 21 yeah, million no matter how the economy does oh sorry i didn't mean no. to cut you off but i wanted to elaborate on that point because what's unique about bitcoin is there is an issuance schedule that was created in the very beginning and it's what leads to the 21 million supply ultimately and so the math works roughly like this every approximately every 10 minutes another block is created and for the first roughly three years 50 bitcoin were spit out every 10 minutes and somebody got those as part of helping to create this network and run some computers which cost electricity and these bitcoin had no value back then 50 at a time every 10 minutes some people got tens of thousands of them as we know um but the the um i sure wish i was the, doing the, it back then <laughs> yeah well so does everybody. But the issuance schedule is known. So it went from the 50 every 10 minutes, and then it got cut in half to 25. Then it got cut in half to 12 and a half. And now it's down to 6.25. As we know, since this past May, every 10 minutes, roughly, a new block is created, and somebody in the world gets 6.25 brand new Bitcoins. And one of the things about this system is that if you run a full node, which has a copy of 
every transaction back to day one, you can verify every single Bitcoin, whether they're authentic or not. You can't do that with dollars or yuan or anything else. You got to take their word for how many's out there and whatever. Uh, and, and with Bitcoin, you can be assured that it's never going to be 21 million because as the math works out, when you keep cutting it in half approximately every four years, it runs out of brand new Bitcoin being issued by 2140. So that leads to a 21 million supply cap. And everybody that's bought into the system, part of the reason they're in there is because we accept that this thing is never going to make any more than that. So we're we're betting on a digital scarcity that no one's going to change that number. And right now, that's basically impossible. No one's going to allow for an increase in that supply cap. That's one of the things that makes the Bitcoin system so resilient is it, it's almost impossible to change the parameters that this thing grew under at this point. There's been changes made, but the protocol has been solidified pretty good now so that it's very unlikely anything like that's going to happen ever again. So this changes the, the function of the money, how it works, how you can look at the system, how it's operating, how you can, basically you don't need to trust somebody's word for it. You can just watch the system work and trust yourself. If you can't read code, find somebody you can trust that can. If you, if you wanna to learn to read code, you can read code, read how the software works and then decide for yourself if this thing actually works. That's one of the best things about it. It's all open source. The Fed is not open source. We don't know what they're doing with the money. Nor do we know what the Chinese government's doing with their money or any other central bank for that matter. So this is just a world of difference here. Well, we don't even know how much gold the Fed has. They haven't had um, yeah, exactly. a count of their gold in Fort Knox or wherever it's at since the 1930s or something, I think. And it wasn't a true count then. They didn't count at right. all then inventory it. So if they're not going to tell us the inventory of something you can go physically count, there's no yeah, way right. they're going to tell us the inventory if they make a currency. And the thing you know, I agree heard, with you about Bitcoin is we can know every coin since day one and you can track it and predict it and you know exactly how much Bitcoin there's going to be. You can know how much Bitcoin there's going to be in the year 2030, 2040, 2050, and exactly. it's not going to change. Exactly. Yeah. And you can know if the Bitcoin you're accepting is real Bitcoin created by this system. Because if you run a full node, you can check all the transactions and you can see the lineage of the coin someone's going to send you. Now, it's not necessarily connected directly to their name. A lot of people think, you know, that Bitcoin, uh, you know, somehow there's user account names or something. Everything's done with digital encryption and whatnot. And you can be linked to Bitcoin. There's a way to do it. But there's also plenty of people working on privacy uh, technology that would allow you to spend your Bitcoin like cash when nobody can really track it except to the extent they can track it's real not right. who it came got, from or what kind of trail it has let's we say. got a hard break here so we're going to go to a commercial okay. when we get back though i want to talk a little bit about mining when we get back and nodes so we'll be right back after this word for our sponsor gary leland the bitcoin boomer show And welcome back. I'm Gary Leland with the Bitcoin for Boomer show. I want to make sure you know, this show's not just for boomers. You know, we just talk about Bitcoin and I'm a boomer. So I made it the Bitcoin for Boomer show. And that's all we're doing is just talking general talk about Bitcoin, trying to educate you and everyone else there about Bitcoin, because you need to know about this. You don't want to be caught with your pants down and not knowing what Bitcoin is when you need to know and start going crazy trying to find out. So let's learn about Bitcoin now while you have time. 
And one of the things that's kind of exciting and different about this episode is I actually have a boomer on the show with me. <laughs> I've never done that. Jim, welcome back to the show here. Um, right. and, I, and I've enjoyed the conversation with you today. We've had a great conversation. But one of the things you just brought up that I want to get into a little bit more is because I, I think a lot of people, I know a lot of people have a problem with this. They don't understand this. What is mining, Bitcoin mining? People have a hard time with that. And they're always like, you can make more of it? I mean, you know, so it, ha, mining, what is that? I, I think that's a terrible term for it. But uh, that's the term. That's the name of it. What is Bitcoin mining? Uh, so the people that mine Bitcoin are doing a job for the Bitcoin network. And what they're doing is they're combining transactions, um, valid transactions. Now, anybody monitoring the network with their own node can tell if transactions are valid. So miners can't just put invalid transactions in their work. And what they're doing is they're creating these blocks. It's how we got the name blockchain. So they take transactions that are broadcast over the network. So for example, let's say I was gonna send you some Bitcoin, that transaction gets broadcast to the internet and nodes hear it. It's sort of like a, like a radio signal. It goes out, it bounces around and some nodes out there go, oh, I know what that is. That's a Bitcoin transaction. Let me log it in. Let me check if it's real. And then then check their own copy of the blockchain to see if that's a real transaction. Well, the miners are doing the same thing. They're collecting these transactions and they're putting them into blocks. And then they're gonna say to the network, hey, I got this block full of transactions and I want everybody to accept this block as the next block in the chain. And these blocks, as I said earlier, they come out every 10 minutes and it's been going strong for 11 years and it's gonna keep going hopefully forever. But these blocks with these transactions are what allow the Bitcoin miner to get the new Bitcoin if his block is accepted. So what is he got to do to get, what does he have to do to get his block uh, accepted by the network? So he takes the transactions, he takes some other data and he does a, a type of computation called a hashing where he takes all that information and he's looking for an answer that needs to be below a target. The target is set by the network, it self adjusts um, something known as the difficulty adjustment. Uh, but all the miners know what it is. They know what they're shooting for. And the only way to get the answer that the network will accept is to guess, literally guess, billions and billions and trillions of times. As a matter of fact, I pulled up on another computer screen over here that the mining hash rate, the amount of times guesses are happening, is 117,000, I'm sorry, 117.4 exahashes, which is like, Trillions upon trillions of times per second, the world over, people are guessing to try and solve this difficulty factor so that their block gets accepted by the network. Uh, that's so, so, Jim, stop for a second. Stop. Sure. Okay, these computers are guessing, just taking random guesses, yes. trying to come yes. up with an answer to the formula. And how many times are they guessing? Did you say per second? Uh, it's 117 exahashes per second, which is like a trillion trillions or some ridiculously so these, these hard computers, number to comprehend. There's a thousand. There's so many computers going with so much power yes. that they're guessing thousands of thousands of times per second. Trillions and trillions of times. Trillions per and trillions worldwide. of times per second. They're yes. guessing. Yes. So the yes. amount of available guesses that there could be. Must be more like than there is stars in the sky. Huh? Yeah, it's trillions of times that. It's that many more guesses. It's it's an absurd amount of numbers that no one can. 
it's very hard to comprehend. The, the point is this, what they're doing is they're taking the, the transactions in the block, they're taking some other specific data that's uh, specific to them, and then they change one factor, it's called a nonce. They keep changing that, that's what they're changing every time they re-guess. And they're running this algorithm, this hashing algorithm, and they're looking for a target number at the end. And everybody's doing it. Um, blocks, a different miner might have a slightly different blocks, but as long as his transactions are valid transactions, he can guess with a different nonce with slightly different transactions. It doesn't really matter. They're still trying to win the race for the next block being added to the chain. And so it's basically a race of computers. It's the largest computer network of the world in the world right now that's doing this this guessing basically for this uh, this answer. And whoever gets it, they can then broadcast their answer. They can say, "Hey, these blocks plus my personal information plus this nonce equals this answer, and it, it is below the target of the difficulty set by the system." Here's my proof, and they send that out in a millisecond. Everyone else on the network can verify they're correct because all they do is plug in their nonce and their transactions. They go, yep, he's right. They get credit. They move to the next block. They then gather more transactions, and they start the race all over again. And that's what well, now, is. when Bitcoin first started, people were mining blocks that gave them 50 Bitcoins with their laptops. Yes. Now, I just want exactly. to bring this up because if you're at home and you're going, oh, I'm going to start mining some Bitcoin, mm -hmm. you're probably not going to get many Bitcoin with your laptop. No. We've gone from no, laptops to, compute, to uh, chips to uh, graphic cards to ASIC cards. And can you yes. tell us about ASIC cards? I know you're not an expert miner, but w w what is the difference? Where are we at now in mining and why can't someone mine with their laptop anymore? So an ASIC stands for Application Specific Integrated Circuit. And basically, it's an invention to do the hashing work for Bitcoin. It's literally a computer chip that was invented specifically for Bitcoin. After so it Bitcoin does one thing. Invented. It does one thing. It does one thing. That's all it's meant to do. And it does it so well that if you want to compete in the mining industry, you need to have those machines running with the cheapest electricity on the planet that you can find in order to compete in this giant worldwide race every 10 minutes. Because the older computers, the laptops and the, the graphics cards that used to be used when the system was smaller, they can't compete anymore. So you would spend more money on electricity trying to mine a Bitcoin, you might as well just go buy it. It will cost you less. Unless you're a miner with these ASICs computers in a place where your energy is relatively cheap and a good bandwidth to the internet and you could join the race as well. It's an open system, anyone's allowed. You're allowed to use Bitcoin without permission. You're allowed to mine Bitcoin without permission. You're allowed to sell it, transact it, whatever, except to the extent that governments prevent us from linking our bank accounts. That's getting their permission. But the system itself is permissionless. Anyone's allowed to join. You're allowed to read the code. You're allowed to mine Bitcoin if you want. Well, now, ASIC mining machines, like any computer or any machine, newer versions come out. You know, I think now we're on... Yeah. 19 version 19 of the Bitmain's uh, com computers. Uh, what happens with those old ones? Since it does one thing, they really don't have any value. You can't do anything with them. Well, you know that's that's not entirely true. Some of them certainly go out of uh, out of their usage range, where they no matter how cheap your electricity is, they just still can't compete. But what I've heard on recent podcasts from people who know more than me about this that some of the older miners, this one particular one known as an S9, uh, which was sort of pushed out for better ASIC miners, 
where people are finding uh, that they can still use them are in places where the energy is essentially free. So if like a, um, uh, a dam, a hydroelectric dam. Well, Jim, are, I've also heard for gas flaring, for people yes, who are setting up miners with gas flaring that they used to burn off, now they got free electricity. That is good for that. And that's in that Texas. That's in Texas where you are exactly. Yeah. But it's it's any place where there's excess electricity or uh, like like I said, I was going to say with the hydroelectric, they're running like where the demand for what they're putting out is always less than what they're putting out. So that excess is just sitting there going to waste. They have to basically send it into the earth. They could transfer that into Bitcoin miners, and when the when the demand goes up, they can slow down their miners to meet the demand, so that they're using the full effect of the hydroelectric jam. Yeah. I and saw then what an doing... article on a, uh, a dam uh, in Upper New York that is mining exactly. Bitcoin. But we can talk and about that some more doing. right after this break. Right now, I hope okay. you're enjoying the show. As I always say, tell your friends about the show, share it with anyone, and we're going to be right back with the Bitcoin for Boomers show with Gary Leland after this word from our sponsor. We're going to be right here in Dallas-Fort Worth. We'll talk to you in a minute. And we're back with the Bitcoin for Boomer show. I'm your host, Gary Leland. I hope you've been enjoying the show. If you just switched channels or something and just got here, we're having a great conversation about Bitcoin, but we do every episode. So also, I want to make sure you know about uh, the conference I host. I host the conference in Dallas, Texas, every August, called BitBlock Boom. You can check that out at bitblockboom.com. But make sure you check it out, especially if you live in Dallas or Texas, we have people come from all over the world to this conference. If you live in Texas and you don't check this out, you're making a mistake. But check out bitblockboom.com. And now I'm joined by Surfer Jim as we're talking about Bitcoin. And he has this bitblockboom cap on there. That's a man after my own heart there. Man after my own heart. How do you like that new logo this year, Jim? It's Looking great. great. Yes. Everything about bitblockboom is great. Yeah, thank you, Jim. I really do appreciate it. Mm -hmm. You know, the uh, thing about Bitcoin to me is as you were saying uh, earlier, it's, it's digital gold. But you know, you actually can see what's happening with your money. To me, I feel more comfortable investing in Bitcoin than I do in other things that I normally would be considered normal things to invest in. Even though it's a lot wilder and it swings, you know, as far as going up and down, it swings a lot wilder, but Really, lately, the stock market's done some crazy swinging. So I think it's just about yeah. as volatile now as, as Bitcoin is. I agree. Yeah, the stock market is artificially inflated, in my opinion. You shouldn't have stock prices going up when the economy's going down. Well, I, I think that has to that do with what you mentioned earlier, the cantillion effect. The well, people it does, and the companies so that up. are getting most of this money are at the top of the uh, food chain. Yeah. And those are companies where the people at the bottom of the food chain are hoping to keep their $600 a week. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a broken system. It's not supposed to work this way. When companies can't open up and make profits, their stock prices are supposed to go down. The stock market should be going down right now, but they're pumping money into the system. So that allows people to keep investing and artificially inflating assets that would otherwise be correcting, uh, you know, naturally correcting in a market. You know, but it's not a natural market. So Bitcoin just recently went through the halving, 
which is where Bitcoin goes from, went from every 10 minutes. We just covered mining and there's a block every 10 minutes and they were getting 12 and a half Bitcoins every 10 minutes, the miners that yep. guessed the correct yep. question or the correct answer. Now they're getting six and a quarter Bitcoin per 10 minutes. In the past, over the past 11 years or history of Bitcoin, after a halving, there's been a certain amount of time go by where we've seen a spike because the demand for Bitcoin catches up and there's not enough Bitcoin around to fill the demand. So Bitcoin works on a basic principle of supply and demand as capitalism does. So now we're in a situation where we have that we've never been in before because before in the past, Bitcoin has always been driven by the retail market, people like you and me. But now we have you and me buying and we have companies like the Cash App, Grayscale Capital, Fidelity. We have a lot of people now that are companies, people and companies, and the supply is now only six and a quarter. What, what should that be? What should we be thinking? I know we're, I'm not saying you're a financial advisor, but just what does common sense kind of tell us if we've got half as many Bitcoins per 10 minute in major players? I, I read that Grayscale Capital was buying more Bitcoin every day than there is produced. I read that as well. Um, yeah, this is what is referred to in the Twitterverse as uh, number go up technology, uh, NGU. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, supply and demand, right? Diminishing supply and an increasing demand. The value of each Bitcoin is likely to go up. Um, what you referred to uh, with the halving and the reaction of the price to that halving, historically, there has been a delay. When the halving hits, the price doesn't really react much and it takes a uh, you know, six months, a year, 18 months for it to really react. So most people in the space, as you and I are aware, uh, expect the value of each Bitcoin to go substantially higher in the next year or two as a result of the halving, but also as a result of the increased um, demand from more people than just the retail uh, owners of Bitcoin, like you referred to, you and I. Uh, it's, it's evidence, in my opinion, that the overall ecosystem is being taken a little more seriously by everybody, by everybody out there in the world. We talked about the central bank digital currencies, which will never be like Bitcoin. But just the fact that they're entertaining something that appears to be like Bitcoin allows Bitcoin to remain legitimate. And they, it, it also sort of prevents them from really trying to stop it. Uh, it's almost like you can't just single out one and cut it off and let everything else flourish, especially Bitcoin, because the world will revert, revolt. Guys like me and you won't, won't stand for something like that. So um, I don't know. The, Bitcoin's just one of a kind. You know, I think it's the, fu the future of money, personally. Um, the rest is broken, as far as I can tell. Well, I think we're going to see big things come 2021 out of Bitcoin. I could be wrong, yeah. but I think we're going to see big things. And I think the people who are paying attention to Bitcoin, watching shows like this, following people on Twitter, following their blogs, who know what Bitcoin is and understand it, whether they have a lot of it, it's a different thing. But the people who understand the technology and what it is are going to be way ahead of the game. Jim, we're going to have to cut this off. I've enjoyed talking well, to you. Where you. can people follow you at and find out more about you and keep up with you? Well, just on Twitter, that's where I, I found my Bitcoin family. I learned a lot from following other smart people on Twitter. So they, there's my down at the bottom, Surfer Jim W. So I'd love to uh, interact with anybody who's interested. You can send me direct messages and I'll try to answer them. 
Thank you. Jim, I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, have a good time out at the beach today or tomorrow whenever you're out there next. I know it won't be too long and you'll be back out there. So thanks for coming next on the show. Next time there's Jim. waves. And I'll All see right. you in August at Bitblock Boom. I'll be there. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was a great conversation we had there with Jim. I, I love Jim. He, he kind of, you, you know, I planned on being Jim, Travis, being out there at the beach every day my whole life. I never planned on being, I told my wife when I first met her, I couldn't live anywhere that wasn't near the ocean. And now I've been here 40 years and there's no ocean here. So, Travi, we got any more questions before we move on from anybody out there? Yes, that's well, right. Well, I knew yeah. we did. I of just course. was asking you. We got two every show, guys. It's not like I don't know what's going on here. So, Jim, let me rephrase it, Travis. What is our next question instead of do we have one? Who am I fooling here? All right. From Roger in San Diego. From what I can tell, there are thousands of cryptocurrencies. Can you talk about some of the others? <laughs> oh, Roger, Roger, Roger. Yeah, like Jim, <laughs> I just said, there are over 2,000 other currencies. And Roger, no. I can't talk about them. I think I told everybody this on episode one, Travis, didn't I? I don't care about other coins. I don't know anything about other coins. I don't want to know anything about other coins. That's why this is the Bitcoin for Boomer show and not the Crypto for Boomer show. Because all I care about is Bitcoin. I found out back in the uh, 2017 when Bitcoin dropped 75%. All the other coins dropped 99%, and most of them haven't come back yet. So I'm not into that. Everybody makes coins. You'll have to get that information from someone else. But if you want to know about Bitcoin, this is definitely the place to be. So that's my answer to you, Rogers. Not trying to be rude. We just, I'm not into other stuff. Bitcoin is all I want to talk about. And other thing I want to talk about, too, is another show I do. I do a show called The 4-Minute Bitcoin Show. That's 4MinuteBitcoin.com. And the reason it's called the 4-Minute Bitcoin Show is because it takes four minutes for this show. This show is one news article every day in four minutes or less, every weekday. So if you're interested in having a short show that you can keep up with what's happening in the world of Bitcoin as we move along this highway, then check out the 4-Minute Bitcoin Show at 4MinuteBitcoin.com and keep up to date with what's happening in the world of Bitcoin. Now, we're getting ready to go have a word from our sponsor here. I hope you've enjoyed this show. Before we go to the break, I do want to say I appreciate you watching. And again, I want you to share this show with your friends. Tell everybody you know about them. We have to get the world educated for Bitcoin because it's coming. Whether you like it or not, the world of Bitcoin's coming. It's growing. More people are getting into it. The price is moving up. Everything's falling into place for Bitcoin. As I said, 11 years ago, it was a nickel. Now it's almost $10,000. So tell everyone you know to come watch the Bitcoin for Boomer show. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. I'm Gary Leland, the Bitcoin Boomer. Talk to you in a minute. And welcome back to the Bitcoin for Boomer show right out of the Biz TV Network studios. I'm your host, Gary Leland, and we just finished a great conversation with Surfer Jim about Bitcoin. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found out something about Bitcoin. I hope that really taught you something about Bitcoin because that's the purpose of our goal. Now I want to go over an article uh, I read about uh, Bitcoin earlier today. I think I'll end up the shows these way, but this is from a post by Benjamin Pierce at Cointelegraph. Tyler Winklevoss, now he's the co-founder and CEO 
of Gemini Crypto Exchange. And according to Tyler, the U.S. government spending may ultimately benefit Bitcoin. In a July 22nd tweet, Winklevoss stated that the Federal Reserve continues to set the stage for Bitcoin's next bull run. As a decentralized, borderless digital asset away from government control, Bitcoin holds a potential hedge to mainstream markets and national dollars, a point often stressed by a number of crypto industry participants. Bitcoin holds a 21 million coin maximum supply protecting the asset against value dilution. Winklevoss continued by saying that when money printers go burr and inflate the stock market, it's time to Bitcoin, referring to the U.S. money printing resulting in a rising stock market, while giving the nod to Bitcoin as an alternative. Since March, the U.S. government has beefed up its monetary activity in attempting to prop up a struggling economy. Now, such efforts have included a $2 trillion stimulus package, which in part dished out essentially free money to U.S. citizens, depending on their income levels. With current stimulus money reaching its end soon, the U.S. government must assess the situation, possibly issuing further relief capital of existing cash into various assets, including Bitcoin. So is money printing good for Bitcoin? Now, I'm curious as to what you think about that. Do you really think money printing is good for Bitcoin? I'm not too sure about that. But I do want to make sure you think about it. Now, I want to make sure everybody also knows about 4-Minute Bitcoin, the show I do about Bitcoin every day. I talked about it earlier, but in case you came in late, check out 4MinuteBitcoin.com. It's a show every day, one news article in 4 minutes or less. Be sure to send in questions if you have them to the show. Send them to GaryLeland at Gmail, and we'll try to answer your questions on the show. I know I've told you that earlier, but I want your questions, so keep sending them in. Some of them are great questions, for sure. And also, be sure and tell your friends about this show, the Bitcoin for Boomer show. We want to see you here next week.